0: Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks up the block. At the five. At the two. At the one. To the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Stafford. Drink it in now. Get up. Stafford throws. It is end zone. Come! Oh baby, what a catch! Kenny got day. You're a freak. What a catch! Touchdown, Detroit Lions. That's right. Cornbread. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. Drink it in, Detroit Kool-Aid, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Okri, and uh, I want to jump on the podcast here. Uh, a couple things want to update everybody. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Wanted to update everybody that's not on Twitter, that uh, we are trying to drop those shows Wednesday morning for you guys. Uh, me and Grifka literally kind of just got back, you know, mid-late day on Tuesday, uh, as I put out there. You know, on the drive home, if if that game wasn't enough, uh, literally was driving all of a sudden, bang in the back of my car. I guess a deer decided to ram the back of my car when I was basically already past it, so um, didn't even barely see this thing. So dealing with that. But uh, what I want to do was just uh, jump on here, turn the mic on myself before me and Griff could get back together to talk about our experience in Green Bay, the game, you know, all types of things. I I need to jump on here and talk about the refs. Um, It's been all over national, you know, everybody in Michigan, everybody in Detroit has been going crazy and and rightfully so. So I've got a lot to say on it and uh, figured I'd just turn the mic on and and go through it. Just made a few bullet points on a, on a sheet here. I'm just going to kind of talk about, uh, talk about the dang zebras, talk about the referees and and what happened there in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So, Let me just start off with this. I mean, you've probably heard this at other places. Like, I'm really not and kind of hate to be blame the refs guy. You know, you know how nobody likes like softball guy or, you know, cat lady or, you know, uh, all these different guys or people that we always kind of put in a stereotype. And, And I hate to be, you know, hate the refs guy. You know, the guy that. You know, the refs cost us the game, you know, because there's so many other factors that go into it, right? But like, I feel like this is a different circumstance and and for a couple reasons, you know, first of all, you know, yeah, play could go here or there, you know, either sides probably had a couple plays, you know, you always hear that from players, but I mean, this wasn't a couple plays, this was five to seven, maybe an upwards to nearly 10 plays that were all wrong. You know, we're all one-sided, basically, and, and cost our team a football game, not not just a football game. This has basically got the division lead, I mean, it does have the division lead on the line. It probably is going to have big-time division winning implications when you come to the end of the year. You know, if you win it, you're in first. If you lose it, you're in last. I mean... It's a road game for the Lions. So they're trying to pick up a road victory against a team like the Packers. It's on, it's on prime time. I mean, it, there's so many things going for this game that doesn't just make it a, another football game, which, again, the NFL, there's no, there's no oh, by the way, games or, oh, you know, that's not a big-time game. They're all big-time games. They're all must-wins. They're all important. Oh, so you have all that going for you. And like I said, just the amount of issues, the amount of how this was so one-sided, it it just drives me crazy. Like I can't even understand what I witnessed there live in person in Lambeau Field. I mean, I I bag on Grifka plenty on the show, and, and partly because it's a funny bit, and also partly because. Again, me and Griff, I'm sure we'll sort of talk slash get into it when he's on the show. But I feel like him and other Lions fans do have this loser mentality, do have this, oh, it's always happened to us. Oh, I've seen this before, you know, poor us. or it doesn't surprise me. Just because you've seen something before doesn't make it not wrong. You know, if something's wrong and you've seen it multiple times, it's still wrong. And this was wrong on so many levels. So we just got to get that out of there right now. You know, it's not always, you know, oh, this always happens to the Lions, poor Lions. But, like, the other reason I'm doing this podcast is because in my time being a Lions fan, yeah, it's happening to the Lions a lot more than other teams I see. I mean, I feel like you're sitting there going... uh, Why every year is something happening to the Lions that needs a new rule made the following year? You know, why am I watching these football games and just saying, you know, I don't see that on any other Sunday game I watch or college or anything, like some of this stuff happening. And that brings me to my first point. Every football game, especially in the NFL that I watch, it's been well-established this year that... Whatever's called on the field is going to stand unless it's 100%, you know, you can tell without a shadow of a doubt that it's the other way. I see it in every game. There's plenty of games I'm watching on the NFL, and, and they'll call something on the field. I blatantly know right away that that's not what occurred. They go to replay. It's pretty obvious that there's visual evidence that, yep, it was the other way. And they come out of that booth, and every time they, they use the phrase that annoys me most the NFL, the ruling on the field stands. And they always say stands like that because they're, they're admitting that they're too gutless and too unsure of themselves to flip the call. So the easy loophole is to say stands. You know, they can just say, well, you know, there was a little bit of shadow of doubt, so we got to stay with the call on the field. I see it every week, all the time. Yet, multiple times this season for the Lions, as well as other years, other issues, they will literally come out of the booth in a Lions game on a very questionable call, one way or the other, and they will flip it against the Lions. Like, I'm not going to get into it now, but we are going to talk about the carry-on catch that they went and flipped. I mean, it's it's inexcusable Like to... to Across the league, go with stands, you know, never say confirm, never say reverse, yet they continue to say it in Detroit Lions games. So that's my first point. The second point I want to get off off the top here. Okay, so they changed the replay rule to let you replay pass interference. Well, you can now look at pass interference. We know know it's a judgment call, but we're going to let you, um, you know, review it, which everybody was up in arms about. Now, come to find out, you know, unless it's exactly what happened to the New Orleans Saints, you're not getting any reversals on pass interference whatsoever. So really, what's the point unless it's a catastrophic situation and they actually decide to to overturn one? That's first and foremost. Secondly, you can go back and listen in the archives when they kind of broke out that rule. I did a short pod and I talked about what I would do, which is review everything, Give these coaches two flags a game. I don't care if it's, you know, the first minute of the first quarter or the last minute of a football game. I want everything to be reviewable, and I want it to be all by coaches, you know, or basically anybody that has that red – is given that red flag on the sideline. You throw that dang red flag, we're looking at whatever you ask us to look at because it's not always just pass interference or – gosh, I don't even know, like all these marginal calls that, that decide ball games, they still have this huge area, gray area where it's like, oh, but you can't challenge that. I mean, we can't look at that. Uh, You know, uh, you know, in two minutes, we'll, we'll, we'll decide what we look at. It's just like, I mean, you can still have that two-minute rule uh, for anything above the coach's challenges, I guess. Like, let's say if there's four or five questionable calls within the last two minutes, and the coach has used up his two flags, then, yeah, I think you should still peek at it from the booth perspective. But to tell you, oh, in in the last two minutes in the most crucial part of the ball game, oh, oh, don't worry, like, we'll handle it. You know, we'll review it. And then when they don't, it's like, oh, sorry, we can't do anything. It's in the last two minutes. That's got to be corrected. Secondly, everything's got to be reviewable. None of this, oh, you know, hands to the face is not a reviewable call. I, I forget if they're letting you review holding nowadays. I think they said they were, but it really hasn't been brought up or no one's tried to kind of challenge a, you know, an offensive holding call on their team or even these defensive holdings that they throw every other play on a DB or something. You know, everything under the sun has to be reviewable. Uh, I don't care what it is, because if it really costs your team in the biggest moment, that coach, that team, that group needs to not only decide that they want it looked at, but but don't put it under some other pretense. Like, oh, hey, all the other times in the game we call pass interference this way, but in review we, we change the circumstances. Like, that's not how you officiate. You don't say, well, in the second quarter, that would have been a holding, but but when you ask us to review it, we're going to hold it to this higher standard. Now, with that being said, my counterpoint, which is kind of hard to consider, but it's just somewhat human nature, like to me, late in the fourth quarter, are, are you calling nickel and dime holdings? Are you calling nickel and dime past interferences? I'd say No. You know, the, you're 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 being a little more cautious there because you don't want to decide the game like these refs are doing in so many circumstances. Not only are they deciding the game, they're deciding, you know, plays, stats, all these things by these egregious calls they're making. And the calls they're making are my big issue because I feel like these guys think they're smarter than anybody. They think that, you know, Al Riveron, New York, as they call it, thinks that they just have it all figured out when they have no clue what's a foul anymore in the NFL. They have no clue what a catch is. They have no freaking idea what pass interference is or any of these marginal calls. They have all these rules. You read them. They make no sense. They go under the hood. You know that Cleat Blakeman or whatever his name is, you know, and Riveron and, uh, who else we got up in the booth? You know, the Mike Pereiras of the world, the Blandinos. I mean, these guys are talking about these fouls and, and plays in the NFL like it's rocket science. I mean, it's not. It's it's a catch or it's not a catch. Did he catch it? Did he get two feet down? Was it a football play? Okay, done. You know, pass interference. Did he get there before the football? If he did, it's pass interference. I don't care if it's what game it is or what time it is. You know, it's just... I don't understand why we're making it not only so difficult, but you don't know what a catch is. You're making the fans not understand what these rules are for catch, pass interference, hands to the face, anything. Uh, just just clean it up. Just make it not only more simple, but quit trying to be the smartest guy in the room and watch something in 4K HD at, at a half a, you know, at, you know, 10% speed and then come out and act like you figured it all out when you know, I mean, everything's going to look worse and, and super slow-mo um, as well as, you know, like I say, these guys think, Oh, well, I'll come out and change this one. Cause I think I saw this, or I think I saw that. Well, you didn't see that in real time. You didn't call that on the field, but now because of the super slow-mo and because you looked at it for four minutes and probably had somebody from New York in your ear, that could care less about the Detroit Lions, you're going to go ahead and and flip it. You're going to go ahead and change it completely. Just like my big beef in Kansas City was, you know, you you called it one way on the field. The players had quit on the play. The guy picks it up, runs away. Everybody has quit on this play. He scores a touchdown. The least you could do if you're going to call it a fumble is say, hey, we're down on the one, down in the end zone, touchback, whatever. You do the, the three sixty. You you give them the ball, you call it a touchdown, and none of it was conclusive. I don't I don't care what you say, so <sighs> I just I just don't know anymore, other than this reached an absolute high for me of of hypocrisy, just an absolute atrocity there in Lambeau Field. Everybody knows who won that football game. You know, before I take my break, I might as well get into the fact that all these people, I don't know, Lions fans or otherwise, all the Lions had tons of time, chances to win that game. All they, all they did was kick field goals. Okay, let, let me deal with that before I get back to these referees. You, you don't score touchdowns every time you reach the 20-yard line. Just note to everybody that thinks they know NFL football. You know, the percentages are probably in that 70%, whatever it may be, maybe even lower than that for the, for the other teams. Um, so you are going to have field goals. You're not always going to score touchdowns. That's first and foremost. Secondly, you, you can't always go back and, and try to justify, Oh, like the, 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 refs didn't, didn't cause us the issue. Look at what we did because yeah, every game you're, you're going to have issues in the game. I mean, that's why I always tell Griffka, you don't, you don't go back and say, you know, this one play in the first quarter cost us the game. Cause there was a bunch of other things after that, but, in this ball game, the calls that were made, the times they were made, and the things they did when they were called, extending drives, giving Aaron Rodgers not only more plays, but helping him come back when he wouldn't have come back. He was done. He was sacked. He was going to punt to us, and we were going to basically run this clock out or give him not enough time to do what he did. So the calls they made did impact the final score and did... Uh, basically put an L in our column. So just save all that garbage about all oh, the Lions could have done a lot to win it when it mattered. That that's just people that are totally I don't want to deal I don't want to blame the refs or I'm going to take this moral high ground when you can you can say the refs were horrible you can say the refs cost us the game. And still know that the Lions could have played better. The Lions could have scored another touchdown. Maybe Hawkinson should have caught the football. They're not one. In, they're not exclusive. It's not like if you say one, you can't say the other. Or if you say the other, you can't say um, something on the other side. They're they're both valid. But to just go out and say, well, oh, they just should have played better, and you know, oh, you know, every everybody has referee um, calls here or there. Yeah, yeah not not like in this game that's why I'm doing this pot and that's why I continue to uh to talk the way I'm talking so so let me do this i've hit you guys off the top with with you know a good amount of content i want to take a break get our sponsors in here me and griff are definitely gonna be back like I say we're still trying to figure out our schedules and with this uh just getting back from the road we're gonna jump on here talk about this game do our normal show but Like I say, I just needed not only to vent, but to break down a lot of this that I I feel like a lot of people have been on and also say our piece, you know, my piece, let's put it that way, uh, for the Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers out there and what I thought about this game. So go ahead, take a break, bring the sponsors in here. When I get back, I want to break down these penalties, you know, again, the ones I wrote down, the ones that jumped out the most to me, as well as other things I noticed in this game in regards to the referees. And uh, like I say, just say my peace, then be done with this. Um, but everybody knows it was wrong. It was it was wrong, these rests were horrible. And I'm gonna lay it out to you why and what I saw, what actually happened. So everybody take a quick break. I'll be right back. Stay with me. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, everybody, I'm back. It's your boy Oakry. like I say, uh, here doing a solo show. Talking about referees, unfortunately, other than a great W by our Detroit Lions in Green Bay. Um, me and Griff will get into it more when we uh, do a combo show, but a uh, real quick shout out. I mean, the people of Green Bay were incredible. We had a great experience. I hate to be doing this show the way I'm doing it today, but like I say, this is just about the referees and all the shenanigans that went down during this football game that cost us a big win that we had basically earned. And I had to be there to witness it in person. And uh, like I say, it was a tough way to end the trip as well as, you know, it's probably in my top five of, you know, terrible Lions losses, not only from how it felt, but how it was and how it went down and everything around it. So let's get back into this. Uh, before I get into the actual penalties, you know, there's two things I'll bring up off the top. Like if you go back and watch the uh, TV feed, which I went back and watched it, i have to say I sort of, um, fast forwarded through, but I, I tried to catch most of it. And one thing I caught was, I want to say it was in the second quarter. Or so Aaron Rodgers throws a pass that was complete and they cut back to him and like Cleek Blakeman, the head referee was having some like just very odd, like, Just him and Aaron Rodgers chatting about something. And this wasn't the chatter you see when when these referees are helping a quarterback up or when they're checking with them on something. This was very odd, the way they cut to it. Cleet Blakeman kind of ran by, gave him a look, said a little something. Aaron Rodgers said a little something back, and then Blakeman went about his business. It, It looked very odd to me, kind of like... You know, just secretly checking with him on things uh, unbeknownst to anybody else other than they did catch it on the Monday Night Football feed. So curious if anybody else saw that. If you do, hit me up on Twitter at Derek Oakry, D-E-R-E-K-O-K-R-I-E, and let me know if you saw that as well. But it, it just looked fishy. It looked odd. It looked suspect. And then, sure enough, you know, there's that report I saw today online that uh, a huge bet came in, you know, uh, on this game. It just happens to be the same person who's bet on all the Blakeman games. I mean, again, I, I don't want to get into all that and go total Grifka conspiracy theory, but, I mean... You know, that that not only is very odd, but, um, you know, some of these calls, some of the things that happen in a game or to cover these spreads. You're kind of like looking at it, you know, with that Scott Van Pelt, you know, his bad beats. You're always looking at those kind of cross-eyed going, hmm, that's a little uh, little shaky, no doubt. So let's go ahead and get into these in no particular order. The first one I actually want to start with is the Tracy Walker call. I mean, me and Grifka had an absolute great view of this. We had just absolutely great seats for this game. Um, but this was a play you could see from the the minute you know this ball was hiked. Tracy was back there, he saw this this play coming across. He 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 jumped it, he was going for the football, he dives for the football. Yes, there's helmet to helmet contact, but if you, I mean, if you can't use common sense, if you can't use your freaking brain, people, if you can't process enough to understand that there has to be a delineation between helmet to helmet when you're hitting someone and helmet to helmet when you're absolutely going for the ball and it just happens to occur with no malicious intent. I mean, last time I checked, defense has just as much, you know, right to the football as the offensive player does. So that's first and foremost. Secondly, you know, they're trying to clean up everything cuz of safety. Oh, safety, you know, we have to take out all helmet hits. I mean, this is this is football. This is the highest level. This is NFL. This is guys that are 200 and you know, 20 to 275, even 300 pounders up front flying around. I mean, you think you're going to be able to avoid all helmet contact? I mean, I think the only thing they've done so far is they're so over the top with it that they're scaring players, taking money from them and whatnot. That they're they play hesitant, they play not to hit to the helmet because they don't want to deal with you know these crazy penalties as well as the fines that come with it. I mean, I think that's what they've done more than you know clean up the game due to due to safety aspects. And this is just ridiculous. I mean, you go back and watch it. The guy dove with his arms wide open. He, he dove, like, before the, the offensive player got there. If anything, the offensive player helmeted Tracy, you know, if you really want to get into it. I mean, I'm sorry the guy was hurt, Geronimo Allison, I believe it was. I'm sorry he was hurt on the play, but Tracy going for the ball and, and Geronimo helmeted helmeted him for the most part. So, I mean, this is no, you know, five-yard penalty or, oh, by the way, this is, this is 15 yards and a first down. So for them just to call this, and this, this is my big issue with the refs, okay, you have rules in any sport, any, anything you do. The NFL refs seem to be guys that can't understand that it may be written in black and white or in a piece of paper, but it's not black and white. There's, there's judgment, there's interpretation to these rules. So just because it says, you know, that helmet to helmet contact, it doesn't mean that you have to throw it any time somebody brushes, you know, someone's helmet. You know, there can be some some common sense in there that, hey, I know their helmet's hit, but man, that guy was going for the ball and he was actually trying to avoid hitting him in a bad situation. You see it in college all the time with targeting. You know, they they just have this blatant rule for targeting. So any type of forcible contact with the helmet is not only a penalty, but you throw the guy out of the game. I mean, I hate that every week too because it's like – You know, yeah, if a guy's launching himself with his helmet and blowing a guy up and and injuring a guy, throw him out of the game. No issues. A guy is trying to make a tackle and the guy ducks, you know, the receiver, running back, whatever it is, ducks at the last moment. And now he's contacting him with his helmet. I mean, that's not a that's not a throw you out type of offense. That's not egregious where the guy was doing anything off the cuff. So, Oh, that, I mean, that's what me and Grifka saw live. We both looked at each other. There's no way he's going for the football. It's just a, a call that can't be made, you know. And I know that's not the most egregious, but that's the one I wrote down first. That's the one I wanted to start with. It's definitely not unnecessary roughness, and that's what they called on the field. I mean, if he had verbally said helmet to helmet, I guess you can say, yes, there was helmet to helmet. But if you think that's still a foul, you're just reading the rule book wrong or don't understand what what it's actually intent is um the next one i wrote down was this 13 men by green bay um i've heard a lot talked about this call lots of screenshots i saw i mean mean, it's ridiculous you go back and you watch it i i paused it it's if you're in formation with more than you know the 11 guys, it's a it's a foul. I don't care if you call a penalty. I don't care if somebody tries to to run off late. Whatever the situation is, you go back and you watch this play. I mean, Green Bay not only is in formation. I mean they're set up for a long time. The Lions are over the football. Frank Ragnow's is ready to hike it, and then they just call time out. Like, no big deal. And and nobody even that I saw, like, raised raised a bunch of issue with it from the Lions' perspective. It was just like, oh, timeout. It's like you were blatantly, both teams were in formation, ready to hike this football, the play that I saw, where they had too many men, and they just let them get away with it. I hear people on the radio, oh, I, I saw a justification that they were okay to call a timeout there. No, no. If you, you call the 12 men on the Lions because they were in formation, didn't give them a chance to sort of – call do that oh bleep you know call a timeout that's what the packers did oh bleep we got way too many men a timeout and they didn't have any issue um i don't have it in front of me but i think it was uh third and eight at the time and that would have moved it up obviously or you know third and long and it would moved it to third and manageable so that's a big call um the the next one i wrote down is the the uh Gosh, let's just talk about it now, the carry on Johnson call. (sighs) This is a call, again, that me and Griffith had a great view at, not only when it was live, but on the replay. I mean, I don't know anybody that has a brain that's operable that can watch this play and not see. He catches it. He has it secured. He takes two to three steps. He then begins to move the football to his right arm, one-handed, uh, palming it, which I agree is stupid by carry-on. But he's trying just to shift it to his right hand so he can stiff-arm the defenders. But he kind of did it in a way where he caught it, secured it, but it was squeezed with two hands, and took his two steps, then palmed the ball, moved it to the right, uh that's when the ball began to move and fell out of his hand as he stiff-armed. They sure didn't look like uh, they were too worried about it live because if, if the Packers would have picked it up, I guarantee that's going the other way as a fumble. But, you know, they call it, let's break this down, they call it a catch and a fumble on the field. So unless you see something that's 100% the other way, you come out and you say my least favorite saying, but it should have happened in this case. The ruling on the field stands. It's a catch, a fumble, out of bounds. First down, Detroit Lions is what it should have been. We watch it. We see it a million times. I'm even talking to Packer fans around me. They're all saying, mm, I wish it was, but, yeah, I think it's a catch and a fumble, out of bounds. And this clique, Cleet, Cleek, Cleet Blakeman, whatever your name is, you come out and you honestly say that under the hood there, you saw 100% visual evidence that this was a... I think he came out and said he did not have control was bobbling the football. Are you freaking kidding me? Go, go back and watch this play. There, there's no bobble of the football. This is the overthinking I'm talking about where he's got it frame by frame in the 4K HD, you know, 2007P uh, that they've got where he's just like... Oh, I think I, I think I might have saw it move there when he when he actually squeezed it. No, you didn't see it move. It doesn't even matter. If it moved in his hand, the guy still had it secured enough where it's a football catch. Two feet down. What, what you missed the part where he, then all of a sudden he moved it to one hand? I mean, he didn't catch it with one hand. He caught it with two and then moved it to his right hand, which is then when he was actually bringing it from two to one, it hits his leg, I think, is why, why it was actually fumbled. So there was no bobble. There was no, oh, the ball was loose throughout, and that's why it was incomplete. No. It was caught. It was moved to the right hand. Therefore, hitting his thigh or wherever it hit, the ball came loose, and then it went out of bounds. So for this clown, for this, and, and first of all, we'll get into it probably in the Grifka show, but I'm totally encouraging everybody that wants to and is able to go to the Lions-Vikings game dressed up like dress up like referees that are blind dress dress up like ref clowns dress up like anything making fun of these just absolute joke of officials nfl i mean be roger goodell with an absolute clown nose on like matt patricia had that t-shirt the one time because this is actually tun- turned into a, a clown show a joke an absolute atrocity just it's an embarrassment to the nfl a billion dollar business is absolutely ridiculous so for them to for him to come out and not only reverse the call which which again would have been a first down for the lions instead you know next thing you know they're kicking a long field goal i believe it was this guy has the audacity to come out and change the call which is what you don't do that's absolutely not what the rule says there's nothing he saw there that was 100% i can guarantee you that Secondly, then to say, oh, the ball was bobbled or not secured throughout the catch. I mean, that we, we all know with that have two eyes and a brain, that's wrong. And then, like I said, they they let it roll on the field. And, uh, I mean, again, it's a, it's a huge play in the game. You, you can say, oh, well, I kind of see it this way or that way. First of all, you'd be wrong if you say that you saw it as a, a unsecured catch. And then two... I mean, you just can't change it. You just can't. In that situation, in that play, um, there was definitely not enough to, to absolutely not only reverse the call, but take away a first down, take away field position, and the clock. At that point, if we get that, we're running at least two to three more minutes. Well, not that. Maybe one to three minutes off the clock, almost guaranteed. And the Packers have basically no chance of coming to win that game at that point. No matter what we do. We could have run that time off, missed the field goal. They're still not going to win at that point. <sighs> so so with that being said, let, let's get to a couple of the things here. Let, let, let's get to the hands of the face. I mean, we've we teased it. We've waited long enough. This, uh, this is absolutely... I don't even know what to say. It's it's a call that's never made in the game. I, I watch many NFL games where there's hands up in the neck, in the face mask. I've even remember games where they're just pushing that face mask all the way up, and then all of a sudden they take their hand off. Oh, he, he didn't have it on there long enough to get hands in the face. Um, now, you know, they're trying to act like, oh, if you barely touch the face mask, they're going to flag it. I don't see that on any NFL Sunday. That's not how it's officiated. That's not how it's meant to be. It's basically forcible contact to the head or neck area. And Trey Flowers doesn't have his hand on the neck area if you really want to get crazy with it and say, well, that that's kind of the neck area. No. The one, it's on his, you know, right shoulder, if I believe I'm, I'm correct there, or right or left shoulder. He's got his hand and he's, yeah, he's jacking him up and jacking him backwards, but it's not our fault if Bakhtiari, you know, blows his neck back or looks up to the skies that's on him you know trey's pushing him on the shoulder i don't care what his head face neck back wherever it goes from that point that's on him you know but where his where trey's hand placement is is totally legal so shoulder or whatever and then you know inside the shoulder pads i mean it's blatantly obvious it's right he's actually grabbing him at that neck um not neck area, but you know, the whatever they call it on the jersey where the V is, you know, basically in the jersey where your shoulder pads are. He's got his hand right there, tugging, pulling, whatever they do. He said it's a excuse me, it's a teach technique. You can tell that. Don't don't give me this garbage about, oh, well, that should be illegal. It's not illegal. It's actually a great play because there's holding on every play. We all know this. We all know that, you know, they call that garbage. Oh, well, his hands were inside. So even though he's holding and tugging on his jersey, it doesn't matter. So don't give me this, oh, he had his hand inside the shoulder pad. That should be illegal because it's not and it shouldn't be because it's an absolute fist fight on every play in the trenches. So... You know, this was a great play by Trey Flowers on both of them. It's a a technique. It's a pass rush. And and the dang, you know, Packer offensive lineman not only complained to the refs, and and then he sold it. He shot his head up in the air when there was no shot to the head. So I hope he's proud of himself. You know, I hope he's happy that he worked the referee into not only one call that cost us, which was, what, on a third down that moved the chains, then another one that – uh, basically ended the football game. You, you moved it up quicker. So Mason Crosby couldn't do what he's known to do, which is hit one off the upright or shank it, or, you know, have a bad snap, whatever he's done in the past. Uh, you, you move it up. So he's got a no doubt field goal, but you let them bleed the whole clock. I mean, it's absolutely an egregious call on so many levels. It's so wrong. And then the fact that, Oh no, you can't go look at it. I mean, Heaven forbid, you could go look at it and obviously say, oh, sorry, his his hand was on the shoulder pad or on the neck or whatever it may be. I mean, you look at that for two seconds, you'd be out of the booth saying, oh, you know, we're going to reverse that one. There's there's pure, clean, 100 percent visual evidence of of that scenario and. And it wasn't wasn't refereed as such, and that's an absolute embarrassment to the league. It cost the Lions a football game. I don't care what else happened in the game because those are game-defining plays. Aaron Rodgers threw like a 30, 40-yard touchdown, whatever it was, right after they moved the chains on a third down stop that the Lions had. I think it was a sack because I think I got up and whooped it up to the crowd, and I turned around, and I'm like, a flag for What? You know, and then I have to hear this garbage call. And then sure enough, we're off the field with like a minute 30 left. You know, yeah, even if they make a field goal, give me Matt Stafford with 130 and what? Probably I'm not sure if they had a timeout, even if they didn't, you know, still minute 30. All you need is a field goal to win it. Yes, I'll take my chances all day there. But to give them some bogus call, here's the thing, too. I didn't have this on my sheet, but I remember watching it. Go back and watch both of these and watch the ref. The most, again, I'm using this word multiple times because it's so valid in this situation. The most egregious part of this call is if you watch him, the ref is like staring at Trey Flowers and Bakhtiari because, again, he had been tipped off. So, of course, he's going to listen to the Packer guy, whatever he's saying, bunch of garbage. He's got his face right in there, but he does not call anything when it actually supposedly happens, you see those guys, you know, with their hand fighting and with the the actual pass rush, this guy drops the flag on the first one after the ball is thrown. And like, after he noticed that Aaron Rodgers was done, you know, he had nothing, he wasn't going to make a play. Then you see him sort of like oddly the way, even the way he dropped the flag was weird. It was sort of like he saw something was on a 10 second delay and then said, Oh yeah, I got to, I'm going to throw my flag now. So it wasn't like, boom, you know, you see this guy's head snap back again, only because he did it, you know, willingly. And then the guy throws the flag uh, emphatically. He kind of waited on it, you know, no foul. And then all of a sudden, you know, he can tell that the play is done. And he just drops the flag out of his pocket, like lazily. The second one, same thing. He's looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. And then he kind of just waits until the play's over, until. the first one was the sack. I think when he was sacked, he waited till he was sacked and then dropped the flag. The second one, it was either, you know, after Aaron Rodgers was obviously going to kind of not have anything. Um, again, he waited almost till the play was over and then dropped the flag. Not when it would have happened in his eyes. Like he saw it, waited waited to see what was going to occur. You know, because again, if Aaron Rodgers is going to throw a touchdown or something, you know, he'd keep that flag in his pocket, I'm sure. But once he knows he's done... Oh, wait, I better call this foul and bail this guy out. So, <sighs> gosh, I guess I guess the way I want to end this podcast is with a couple things. You know, after this happened, you know, again, you got to have all the the, the 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 very nice Packer fans, which, again, they were fun. They were nice, telling you all, good game, you know, hope you enjoy. You know, that was a close one. Of course you're going to say that when you win. You know, it's so much easier to say that when you win and you got the benefit of, like, what was five to seven blatant, terrible calls by the referee. Sure, you'll pat the other guy on the back all day. So that's first and foremost. Secondly, then I got to hear all this, oh, you know, I Rod Wood talked to people at the NFL meetings about this. Are you, are you kidding me? I put out on Twitter, Rod Wood, I mean, this guy is like a corporate, you know, shill, yes man, you know, lackey. Um, gosh, what do they call it? Uh, um, stooge, You know, any word you want to use when it comes to the Ford family, when it comes to the NFL. I mean, this guy's just happy to not only be in the league but have the title he has. And I gave him credit. He's done great things for the for the stadium. He seemed to sort of listen to the fans unlike Tom Lewand. He, he's out and about, you know in the in the media and whatnot. But you know, Rod Wood is not going to the NFL meetings and just blowing his gasket and saying this is this is BS. This is inexcusable. Like we're tired of being the doormat of the NFL. We're tired of every year you know, one to two calls that are never called in any other game going against our team, costing us football games, costing us, you know, uh, implications down the the line. Who knows what would have happened if some of these things hadn't happened in the past where where a record would end up, you know, if some of this wasn't right. So first of all, Rod Wood's not doing anything other than sending a gentle email to whoever he does at the 222 or whatever it is, Park Avenue. Um, They're in New York City where he's just like – some pleasant email asking that, uh, this may please don't happen in the future, or we'd, we'd really like it if we would not be, uh, subjected to this type of, you know, um, Penalties or whatever he would say that it would just be a bunch of garbage then over like a business lunch. He's probably pounding it up with these guys thinking that, oh, next time now it won't happen because I was nice to him because I somewhat brought it up in conversation. Unless you go crazy, unless you sort of pull some, you know, of the Ford sponsorships or something. I mean, these guys aren't all of a sudden one day going to go. Oh, now we care about the Detroit Lions. Oh, now, you know, uh, we'll make them, as Grifka says, one of the chosen few. I mean, I make fun of Griff because it's chosen few because it's funny and because, you know, again, a lot of Lions fans do the oh, poor us. I'm not doing the poor us, but I I do agree with them. You know, the Lions get no respect. They don't they're never going to be in that top 10 of like, oh, you know, when we when we have these guys on a promo or when we talk about these guys as faces of the NFL, you know, the Lions are never going to be in that conversation. You, They're always pushed down the list. That's that's common sense. So it almost doesn't need to be said. So Rod Wood, whatever you said or did, it means really nothing to me because I know it's going to make no result unless you absolutely, you know, take it to the nth degree, which you're not going to do. Same with uh, good old uh, Martha there in her sunglasses. I mean, she's going to have a, uh, a pleasant talk over tea with her other, uh, you know, female owners and and you know Roger Goodell and his wife and and mention it, but it's not going to be anything that's ever going to change anything. I mean, I I told Griffka this may be wrong of me, but I, I'm sure that special on NFL Network about the female owners was great. I didn't catch it. But what I do catch every week is that little clip where they're all talking about stuff, which is cool, you know, knowing all those historical players and being at every Super Bowl by the other, um, you know, female owners, which is great. You know, I got no issues with that. The only issue I have is the sound clip I can't get out of my head at the end, which is something to the effect of – I haven't had my great moment yet. I still want to get the Lombardi trophy. It's like, I mean, it just sounds so ridiculous. Like, that's our, I know she has buckets of money. I know she's done some good things to uh, kind of, you know, bring in these top executives and try to do it the Patriot way. But, like, that quote just annoys me so much. Because, like, what else have you really done to get us the Lombardi trophy you know as you put it like you know just tons of years of just losing tons of years of not doing anything up aggressive you know never going after players like other teams do never being aggressive sometimes in the media like you don't have to do it all the time I don't even want you to do it most of the time but I want you to do it a few times when it's warranted to come out and say this is absolute bs and we're sick of it and I'm gonna Take away my Ford sponsorship, or I'm going to do X, Y, and Z if you guys don't change it, or if I don't see uh, more respect to our organization. Nothing like that from our quarterback or head coach or owner, you know, the team president. They all just told the company line. Oh, we, uh, we hope things will be better in the future. We're going to work alongside the league. Okay, well, you can work alongside the league. The league's been working on you for a long time. And it's about time that it that it, it's over with. So to to finish up, you know, the fact that they don't go with call stands is absolutely egregious, terrible. Does not happen, except on a lot of Lions games I watch. Stop freaking overthinking it. This is football. A catch is a catch is a catch. Um you know, there's there's no there's no, you know, moving of the ball. There's no you know, you don't have to keep it through the ground. And quit making these rules where some things can be challenged and some things can't. Oh, we blew the whistle, so now it can't be challenged. Oh, that's a, one of our unchallengeable calls. Oh, we'll we'll take care of it in New York in the last two minutes, except in the, what was it, the Chiefs game, where they were like, ah, forget it, we, we, we don't want to look at that interference on the Hail Mary, you know. It's the Lions, or, you know, it's we, we don't call those the same uh, then as we do in any other point of the game. Get all that out of the game. You have no consistency, no credibility, and all the fans think it's an absolute joke because it's not us crying about the loss and that, oh, poor us. Oh, this always happens to us. It's just saying it happens too much to us, and we're sick of it, and we're sick of these calls that actually cost us the loss. You're not going to go back in the second quarter and say, oh, that 12 men on the field for the Lions, that's what cost them the game. There was a ton more football after that. But late in the fourth quarter, Aaron Rodgers down by 11. And you're coming up with some of these calls, giving him extra chances, giving him more time on the clock, and then giving him a call that let him burn the clock all the way to zero to kick a field goal, to end it on a walk-off. Yeah, that's that's Derek Oakry, at Derek Oakry on Twitter, saying that's absolute garbage. That's, in the words of Matt Derry, a tire fire, and I'm done with it. I, I, I'm not taking it anymore, and that's why I just talked for probably over 30 minutes about one topic, and that's NFL officials right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. I'm done. It's over. Me and Grifka are going to be back as soon as we can to talk about other things in this ball game. Grifka can talk about the Zebras if he wants to. Um, you know, they cost us that game, plain and simple. Everybody knows it nationally, locally, whatever it is. And it's got to stop. And it's got to stop right now. We'll check you later right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. I'm out. Pack the bags, start the plane. This game is over! It is over! What a comeback by the Lions! Drink it in, man!